Hey everyone, and welcome to the Indie Podcast, a show where we hear real life success stories from freelancers and entrepreneurs, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them so that you can too. I'm your host, Brant Sohn, and today I'm joined by podcast strategist and producer Lauren Wrighton. She also hosts the Podcast Manager Show, where she teaches freelancers how to become podcast managers and develop their own clientele. Now, for freelancers, podcasts are one of the best ways that you can build a brand, establish authority in any industry, and of course, attract more clients. That's why today we'll be talking about how to start and maintain your podcast and how you can grow your audience. Let's jump right in. Hey, Lauren, it's so great to have you on the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So at Indie, we recently launched our own podcast. And so I'm excited to interview you to get your advice for everyone listening who is just starting out their own podcasts or is looking for ways to grow their audience. So you've had experience on both sides of podcasting, on the production side as a podcast editor and now as a strategist but also as the host of the Podcast Manager show. So tell us, how did you originally get started in podcasting? Yes, so back in 2016, my friend and I, we'd been listening to podcasts. So I think I really started listening to podcasts podcasts in maybe 2014 and kind of started with um, a business coach that I'd been following and then Serial, if you're familiar, uh, was launched in like 2014. So that got me in and... Um, 2016 happened and I was working part-time because I just had my first baby and my friend and I were like wanting to get some sort of side hustle up and up and going. So we decided, hey, we have no idea about anything podcasting besides we listen to them, but let's jump in and see if we can figure this out. So we were talking about uh, fitness and nutrition and we launched a show at the end of 2016. That's awesome. Isn't it kind of funny how some of the best things that happen to us aren't necessarily totally planned from the beginning? Totally. Now, growing up, did you ever dream of being in broadcasting or radio or anything? No, not necessarily. I have a degree in science, biology specifically. So, you know, there's no really connection there. But I am a big talker. So that piece has definitely, you know, followed me throughout my different paths. And I do love like being on stage. So maybe I wasn't drawn towards radio or, or you know, being on TV or anything like that. But I, I do like, you know, talking in front of other people. Yeah. So podcasting was kind of just the perfect fit for you then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Now, there's a lot of job roles related to the podcasting industry, and two roles that kind of get mixed up are podcast managers and podcast strategists. Could you explain the difference for us and why you chose to become a podcast strategist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really started as a pod, well, I started as a podcaster, as I explained, and then I was a podcast editor for my own show. And also a launch strategist for my own show because I had to launch it. (laughs) And I, you know, no matter what you do, you have some sort of strategy, whether it's intentional or not, or how good that strategy is. We we're all doing something, trying to get to a goal. Uh, So yeah, I've, I've been an editor, which I think is pretty 
people understand what that is, right? You're editing the audio. That's what an editor is. A podcast manager is a little bit more broad than that where you're managing the show as a whole. You might be editing, maybe not, but maybe you are. You're also doing some other things like promoting the show and, you know, you're, you're helping it to grow. So then a podcast producer, which is another term, that people get mixed up is pretty similar to a manager except for a producer might be doing some more of the early stage work the pre-production of you know booking guests even thinking of topics that type of thing and then when we take it further out a podcast strategist could also be doing all of those things but they really have a focus on what the goal is with the show a lot of times the goal is to grow you know, monetize. So they really are focused on the strategy and they might not be doing as as many of the tasks like the editing and things, but maybe they are at the same time. So yeah, they're, they're all very close at times, but you can just zone in on one thing as a strategist if you want. So did you find that it helped a lot being on both ends of the podcast to help you come up with different strategies for other podcasts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, The thing is that I found was, you know, whenever my friend and I launched our show, like I said, we were talking about nutrition and I, I kind of actually, once I started working with clients and I saw their message, it was a lot easier for me to take their message and run with it versus my message. My message at that time just wasn't really strong. It wasn't really overly unique. Um, So it was a lot easier for me to be working with someone who had like a, you know, an awesome story, an awesome message that they needed to get out, an awesome business, because that's kind of what it comes down to, right, is good content. So yes, it was helpful that I'd been a podcaster, but it was what was most helpful is really having that strong message that we could use. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And speaking of messaging, when you're starting a podcast, it can be challenging to come up with that initial idea for what you want the show to be. Uh, How can someone discover what their hook is and where did the initial idea for the podcast manager show come from? Yeah, I mean, some of it is, well, I'll say you can really take two approaches. You can say, I've got a cool idea. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. That's what I did with my friend is we, we didn't know, we didn't have a lot of things on the, on the line. Like we didn't need to make money per se. We didn't, you know, we just kind of were like, let's just see where this takes us. So you can definitely take that approach and you, you can pivot along the way. Right. And you'll find, you'll find where you need to go. If you're, if you want to be more strategic perhaps, or you just want to be a little bit more focused, then you, you know, if you have some sort of audience that are, or people that are listening to you now, ask them, right? Go to the people that are going to be listening. And if they're not really interested in what you're saying, or they're not resonating with it, then it's either your messaging and how you're talking about it, or it's maybe just not super interesting to to other people, right? If, if you're just going to go on and maybe talk about your life or something, and it's not resonating with others, then it's going to be really helpful for you to know that before you get started. So going to people and, and just seeing like, hey, is this interesting? If I post about this on Instagram, do people say anything about it back to me? Um, so I think that would be my first step if I was trying to develop my message. That's such great advice because some of the best shows out there, they start in one lane Mm -hmm. and then based on their audience, they just keep shaping their show as they grow. So smart. So after you came up with that initial hook, how did you go about differentiating your podcast from others or was podcast managing a pretty niche topic already? 
Yes. So podcast management is very niched already, right? And my first podcast really informed how I started my second one. Because when I stepped away from my first podcast in early 2019, I was in no rush to start another show. I was really happy being behind the scenes. And I knew if I start another show, I want it to be really niched. I want to stay really connected to my audience because that's what makes it really fun for me especially is knowing that you're talking to people, right? And you're not just kind of using it as an outlet or whatnot. Um, So I knew if I did it again, which I obviously did, it took me about a year and a half to start another show. Uh, But but yeah, I I knew it was going to be really specific. And that's what it is now. It's it's designed for podcast managers, which are, as we talked about, the people that are working with podcasters. So Uh, You know, some people think it's for podcasters and it can be. We talk about some topics that a podcaster would would find useful. But yeah, it's really for a podcast manager, which is pretty, pretty niched already. That brings up an important aspect of content creation, because the more competitive an industry gets, especially now within the last few years. I mean, podcasting has been around for a couple of decades, but Mm -hmm. in the last five years, it's really picked up. Mm -hmm. And so the more competitive an industry gets, you need to niche down and not to say that it's impossible to compete if you're covering a topic that other people are, but if you can carve out your own niche like you did, then that's even better for building an authority in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So did you intentionally set out to carve out your own niche or was that just sort of a happy accident that no one had covered this subject in the form of a podcast? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, whenever I I started my podcast, was the editor, was the manager, and found that really to be interesting. And I had already heard of virtual assistants, knew that those existed. Uh, so I thought, you know what, there's probably people online looking for a podcast editor. And so I thought, you know what, why don't I go try to do that and see if I can help some people with their shows? Because that seemed really exciting to me. And I got on Upwork. Uh, so I'm sure... I'm not sure if everyone knows what that is. It's like a, a job board, a freelancing website that you can go work with people. And I landed a client through that and really loved her show, really loved her show. But I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I could, I found my way around editing, but I had no formal training. Uh, I, you know, I, I maybe watched one YouTube video. I was very, you know, fresh. <laughs> so it was taking me five hours plus to edit you know, a maybe a 45 minute interview and all of her interviews were different with different sound situations. And man, I just remember looking at, she like sent me five files over for like the whole month or whatnot. Oh, wow. And I thought I'm going to make like a hundred dollars and this is going to take me like 30 hours to do. This is, this just does not make sense anymore. This just does not make sense because I, I just had set up a business that, that just didn't make sense. So I actually quit doing that. Um, I thought, you know what, there's, this is just, this is not it. And once again, allowing myself to pivot and figure it out. Uh, well, six months went by and I went to a wedding and I met a girl there. I don't usually talk to a ton of people at a wedding, but I think my husband was like, she has two girls and we're about, or she has two kids and we're about to have our second kid. And we went and talked to her and she trained people on how to be, become virtual assistants. And so it was just like a weird, it was a weird coincidence, right? 
uh, that we talked to her. And so she filled in so many gaps for me on how to make the business make sense. And that's how I stumbled into podcast management. So I... I definitely loved that it was niche, but I can't say that I, I kind of just failed my way there <laughs> until I found, found a way to be successful. I love that though, because if you're forced to learn and you don't know how to do something, you learn really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes the best way to learn something brand new. Totally. So how do you plan and prepare for each of your episodes? Can you talk about the creation process? Yes. Okay. So I love using my show to answer questions and what I mean by that is you know when you're running a business you get a lot of commonly asked questions right and so I love taking those questions and turning them into an episode so that whenever you do get a question that's very specific to what you do you can say hey I actually have a podcast episode on that so instead of just giving them like the the one minute version of the answer, if it does need further explanation, then they can go listen to my episodes are not terribly long. So they can go listen to talk, me talk for 15 minutes about it and get really their question answered. So I love using my show for that reason. So I, I get a lot of topic ideas from things that I just questions I keep hearing also, I have a couple people on my team that will go look for questions like that. Like, hey, what are what what are, what do we keep talking about? Can you bring those to me so I can turn them into podcast episodes? Uh, so I'd say that's really my biggest way of of sourcing stuff for my show. When it comes to guests, I really I only bring on guests that I know are going to be really great for my audience. And so if I don't have an idea or I don't have some, you know, it just isn't clicking. I'll just do another solo episode because I always have solo topics. I always have enough questions. I always have enough things to talk about. It's my guests that are a little bit more handpicked. And like I said, if, if I, I try to do two guests a month, but if it's just not happening and I'm only going to have one, then I'll just say, okay, I'm not going to force it. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the right guests to come along. I think that's really smart because a lot of podcasts can get hung up on trying to book their guests and needing to have your guest spots perfectly lined up. And so to have solo episodes in between is so smart because you never know if a guest might have to reschedule at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And if they do, now you can just record a solo episode instead of postponing the podcast. Mm -hmm. So aside from the production side of starting a podcast, the other challenge is the technical side of running a podcast. And one of the main reasons I've seen online for why people might be hesitant to start a podcast is that they don't feel that they have the right equipment to compete with professional podcasts. Mm -hmm. So how important is it to have good equipment? Or is it kind of a myth that you need a lot of equipment to get started? Yeah, I mean, I think when we really step out and think about it, we know that we see people that are ha having success as podcasters or even YouTubers or whatever that are doing it with what they have. So I think we can we could probably look within and say, I know I can do this with what I have, but I'm using maybe this as a, a way to stall myself. Uh, at the same time, though, I would say audio quality is important. It does not need to be, you know, as great as maybe someone you're listening to who's your podcasting idol, but it does need to be good. Right. It needs to be listenable. <laughs> so some people find that like they are – they, they just really want high, 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 high quality. Great. That's one way to set yourself apart as a podcaster. But when it comes down to it, 
tap it back into what you're talking about and the people that need to hear it and ask yourself, you know, should I wait to start this show so I can have better equipment or is what I have now good enough and, you know, easy to listen to so I can get to those people that need to hear my story faster? Yeah, I completely agree. I've always been under the mindset that it's better to just get started with what you have Mm -hmm. than to wait for the perfect opportunity or to have that perfect equipment. And then as you grow, you can always invest in more professional equipment later. Mm -hmm. And that way you can test out the waters and learn how to overcome those earlier challenges before investing too much money up front. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when starting your podcast? And how did you overcome them? Yeah, great question. I would say with our first show, it was probably spending a lot of time on production. So we would spend, you know, a couple of hours recording because we would we we were just kind of doing everything by the the, the seat, flying by the seat of our pants. Like she, my friend would come over to my house. We would say, okay, what are we going to talk about today? We didn't have it planned. So then we were friends. So we're wasting lots of time talking to each other. It was great for our friendship, mind you. But, you know, we would probably spend three hours recording like maybe a 30-minute episode. So so there was that. And then I also spent another day of the week editing and producing and social graphics and that sort of thing. So I would say I learned very quickly how to make us more efficient. So we started, you know, batch thinking, batching our idea creation. We didn't, we, we would sometimes batch record, meaning record more, more than one episode in one sitting. Generally not. We would still do just the one, but at least we were coming up with ideas ahead of time. So whenever we met, we could knock it out. And then I found, you know, more ways to be more efficient with my production process uh, because it's, you know, when you're having really a lot of fun in the beginning, it doesn't really matter that it's taking a lot of time, but it, it soon does matter. You soon realize like this is just kind of consuming me and you don't want to burn yourself out, uh, which is, you know, wh- why some people hire podcast managers. But if you're doing it on your own, especially you want to be able to stay in that zone of giving great content and having fun with it so that so that you'll continue. So then once you have your podcast prepared, you have the topics, the basic equipment, and the direction of where you want the show to go. Mm -hmm. What was it like in your early days of launching the Podcast Manager show? Did you already have a built-in audience from other outlets, or did you start from scratch? Yeah, with the Podcast Manager show, I did have that audience already. So I had been a podcast manager, and then I'd started my program, which is a course in the beginning of 2019 and I did not start my podcast in the middle of 2020. So I had already had a year and a half of course, you know, course building and had that audience. So that was, was fun to do it with an audience since my first experience, there was nobody in the beginning. Uh, and, and so it really, in having the audience and having some, having the audience that was obsessed with podcasts, right? Every single person that listens to me loves podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so having that inform my process of launching and the, the thing though, that's easy to do is saying, okay, if I'm the podcasting expert, which, you know, of course there's lots of podcasting experts, but I could, I could use that to hold myself back and say, this has to be perfect because people are going to expect it to have all the bells and whistles and perfection. And I was just really willing to just not get into that. 
I thought, you know, I'm okay with it being a great show. I hope it's a great show. That's my goal. But I'm not holding it to like an impossible standard. And there's things that I miss on my own show that it bugs me because I'm like, oh man, I should have known better or uh, or whatnot. But I, I, and I, I thought that I would be the manager of it for a couple of months. I couldn't even, I wasn't even a good manager of my own show for like two weeks. So I soon hired my own podcast manager. And yeah, I, I try, I just try, try really hard not to critique it more than I would a client's show. Yeah, that's super important because if you go into it expecting it to be totally perfect, mm-hmm. you can end up just not doing it purely out of fear that what if something goes wrong and it can kind of paralyze you with fear. Yeah. So yeah, it's so much better to just get started and to not be too hard on things in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Let's say for for people who are just starting out their podcast and they don't have that built-in audience, how would you start promoting that podcast? Did you have any strategies that worked really well for you? Yeah, so what I'd recommend is look for where that audience is. So those people, you know, they, they exist somewhere, right? Because And if they don't, then it's probably not a great person to talk to. <laughs> if it's a person that's exactly like you, okay, you're not going to find someone exactly like you. But those people exist somewhere. So let's say that you want to start a show that's something like around travel. Um, you know, people like nomads, digital nomads. Okay, where are digital nomads hanging out? Maybe you don't have your own, you know, bo- booming social media around that. But they're somewhere, right? They're following someone. They are in some sort of Facebook group maybe. Um, So I would say find where those people are and get in relationship with those people, right? Like chat with them. See what they're, you know, don't be like, don't think that you have to be like above them to be able to talk to them, right? You can connect with them and see what they're into that maybe you weren't aware of or you're probably one of them in this you know in this example so chat with them let them know hey I'm thinking about starting a show like what would you love to hear like are there are there things that you that you're wondering about or maybe you've been doing this for a couple years and people are you know interested in joining it whatever so I would say the audience is somewhere go find them see if they are interested in podcasting see if they have questions that you can answer and then you know listen really well and and really create the show around what you hear i love your idea of basically engaging with the audience before you even really have your show off the ground Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a great way to create a relationship with your audience from the very beginning Uh, because engaging an audience through a podcast i feel like can be pretty different from other formats I mean, unless you're releasing your episodes on YouTube, there isn't a traditional comment section on Spotify or even Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. So how do you keep your audience engaged and coming back for more episodes? And do you find that the audience engagement is more passive or active? Oh, that's a great question. The goal is to make it as active as possible. But like you said, you're not going to get immediate gratification maybe is the right word when you release a show you don't see those comments coming underneath it like you would a YouTube video or a social media you know post or whatever so you really want to remind people that you want to hear from them and when they reach out to you you obviously you want to make sure that you respond and and stuff but you know also resharing their stories that they mention you in and talking about what people DM you about 
on your podcast. So let's say that you you probably hear this on shows of like, oh yeah, I was talking to you guys in my DMs or someone DM'd me this. And that that's very natural to do, but maybe you don't feel like you get that many DMs and so you don't really talk about them. Well, how can you use just those couple of DMs that you get to say, hey, you're basically telling people, I love when you do this or people are doing this, you have permission to DM me and I'm gonna and this is I'm gonna talk about it on the show when you DM me and so you're you're fostering that community because that's really what it is is you know you start maybe you start off with just a tiny bit of engagement how can you take that and really foster it into a community because if if you if you don't then it's gonna just kind of be like one-off it can be one-off engagement and it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere but when you can take it and kind of turn it in to Hey, hey, we're all here for the same thing. Then more people will come out of the, the woodwork. Right. And the more you learn about that engagement and target future episodes towards that audience, uh, you can start to move away from that one off engagement and start growing a more dedicated, active audience. Mm. Now, not only can podcasting be a, a great way to build authority as a freelancer, but it can also be a great extra revenue stream. So in your opinion, at what level could someone start monetizing their podcast? Mm, yes, love this question. Uh, you can start monetizing it before you launch it is, is my, my thoughts. And when we talk about monetization, it's really can be a couple different things, right? You can maybe when you first hear that word, you think of traditional ads, right? You think of, you know, rocket mortgage or whatever them you might hear on shows uh but you can also monetize through digital products like a course or you know an ebook or something that you would be selling online and then you can also do affiliate links through podcasting so you can definitely monetize and in fact if that is your goal and something that you are excited to do I would start from the beginning because what can happen with an audience is let's say that you're you're super personal, personable, so people are really connecting with you and you have no ads and you're like, hey, you know, we're talking about travel or whatever. And then all of a sudden you you reach this benchmark in your mind. Like a couple of years ago, somebody was saying, wait six months until you monetize. So a lot of people were waiting six months. Uh, you know, they they had it, they had a handful of episodes down there. Uh, you know, on on their show and they, the audience was like trusting them. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, ads. And so the audience was kind of thrown off because it's like, oh, wait, I didn't expect this. And you, it kind of gives you that like sellout feeling. Okay. So, so it, instead of doing it, and you can do that well. I'm not saying that that's like the worst idea possible. It's not the worst idea. Uh, if you haven't monetized yet, you can do it at any time. So I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be the takeaway. The takeaway is do it whenever you want, <laughs> to be honest. And you can easily do it in the beginning. Even if you don't, you don't have a connection with a brand yet, you don't have your own course. Let's say you have nothing to sell. You can't even think of anything to sell. You can still do an ad spot in for something that you like. You, you don't even have to have a link, right? Or just talk about the thing that you really like. You know, if it's, if we're talking, if we're using the travel example, maybe it's a specific type of suitcase. So they're not, you know, you're, they're not paying you, but you're recommending it. So you can build that in. So people are used to you recommending products or recommending this or that from, from the beginning. That's smart because it, it does bring up a good point that you can't always anticipate what the response of the audience will be based on something like, introducing ads six months in 
when you didn't have any ads before. Mm -hmm. So that's super smart to just give them those expectations from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's say that someone has grown an audience of a couple of hundred listeners. How do you go about landing those initial sponsorship deals? Mm, yes. So you'll see some places that either, number one, you need to wait until you've got 10,000 downloads per episode is a number that you might see a lot. Or if you do land sponsorships that uh, there's a there's a, a number that's called CRM and it's very popular in radio and in different types of broadcasting and it's a figure of how many how much money you're going to get per millions of listeners and and or that you know thousands of listeners and it will be very if you if you look into that you'll be very defeated to know that you're not going to make any money if you are get you know if, even if you have like a thousand listeners so if you've looked into that and you've thought, oh, I'm not ready yet. I need to get to this certain number. Um, what I would love to share is that really what it comes down to is putting your podcast in your brand, thinking of yourself as more than just the podcast and selling more than just the podcast and going to a company that really wants to get in front of the people that you're talking to. So if we use the travel example, let's say you are getting 100 downloads per episode. So you're like, I am so far from the numbers that I might see online. What you can do is use your podcasting numbers, but also your social media numbers. And if you do show notes for your episode, you now have a blog, right? So you can tell a brand, hey, we've got 100 people that love traveling and want to live you know a laptop lifestyle and that's exactly what you that's exactly who you want you sell whatever they sell right luggage like we, we I, like I said earlier and so even though it's a, only 100 people you've also got the attention of people that are going to look at your show notes and the attention of people that are on your social media obviously there's some overlap but when you really take that and put that as a package it's a lot more attractive than just saying hey, do you want a 30-second ad slot on my podcast? So that's what I would recommend for someone who's gotten got, has a smaller amount of downloads and smaller meaning less than 10,000. Even if you don't have big numbers in any of those places, really sell that you are, you, you've got these amazing listeners that would really benefit from that product and, and see if, if you can get some attention from a brand that way. And do you feel that sponsorships are the best way to monetize or are there any other ways that you feel are effective for earning money? Mm. I, I wouldn't necessarily say they're the best. It really depends on the show, right? So right. the, yeah, so it's like the best maybe as in what, what's the best? Does that mean like the easiest or it's going to bring you the most money? It really depends on the show, you know, Obviously, people do really, really well with sponsorships. Like, that's an incredible way to monetize a show. But you can also do that with affiliate links. And you can do all of, you can do all of these monetization strategies. So I would say whichever one really seems most appealing to you, start there. And then see if, you're, if you want to add on more later. Don't feel like you have to do one or the other. Um, the great thing about using a digital product is that the podcast becomes part of your marketing and you also it's a lot easier to build a community when you have your own product to sell right so because you're going to be building community within that product which then is 
also the podcast community. So I would say really there's pros and cons to all of these different types of monetization strategies and start with the one that is most appealing to you and and then add some on later if you if you want to. Right. And I know that you can also monetize through places like Patreon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, which is another great way to engage directly with your audience by releasing things like behind the scenes footage of your podcast or even let the audience ask you questions for future episodes. Mm-hmm. And that way you're earning a more predictable monthly income through Patreon rather than having to constantly chase sponsorship deals. Mm-hmm. So now that we've talked about how to start a podcast, I'd like to talk a, a bit about how to maintain a podcast going forward. Because as much as we all want that overnight success, podcasting is something you need to stay committed to in order to grow. Mm-hmm. So how do you stay motivated and committed to your podcast over the long term? Mm, yeah. Well, first off, you really will probably find yourself kind of recommitting to it at you know after six months and then after a year and then you're two years in and you're you're kind of tweaking what does get you excited about the show I have I have a client who's had her show for four years and although that honestly doesn't sound like that large of a number she's also been releasing for four years you know that's a that's a long time that's a lot of content right and so what I've noticed is that over the years, we've tweaked, like, what are we focused on now? You know, are we answering questions still, Still, like I was explaining earlier? Or are we really focused on student success stories because she has a, a program? Um, or are we really focused on, you know, talking about this? It's just kind of tweaked with her business. And, and so the podcast allows for her to be flexible with what she's talking about. So that's, that's really a cool way to stay excited about it. Uh, but the other thing is staying connected to your listeners. So whenever, whenever you're hearing from your listeners and they're, te- they're saying, hey, this really resonated with me, you can go down a rabbit hole of, okay, you know, do I need to talk about this more? Do I need to talk about it on Instagram more? Do I need to, you know, make a whole course over it? Whatever. So whenever you stay connected to your audience and your listeners, it, you're, you, you stay motivated to serve them. Yeah, and going along with that, I I think it's also important to just sometimes take a step back from the podcast and just remember why you got into podcasting in the first place and not get so hung up on the numbers of whether you're growing or not, but just to get back to that enjoyment of why you love podcasting. Uh, So are there any common mistakes that you see new podcasters make? Mm. Yeah, I mean, since I've been in the production side kind of getting like handing it over too much to a podcast manager like just outsourcing it out of your brain oh yeah yeah. (laughs) where it's like oh I I'm not like involved with this at all you can feel that in a show like when the soul leaves the show you it's it becomes not as interesting so and in the same way if it's just like overly produced like if you know if you have a script for the show Sometimes people can do really well with a script. And so if you use a script and you're like, you know what? I think it sounds good. Awesome. Run with it. But, you know, too scripted of a show or a show that's, you know, researched by someone else and you're just delivering it, that can be, that can kind of feel like, like I said, the soul is kind of removed from the show. There's no heart in there. So, you know, those are some, some things that I would say 
if you're feeling burnt out and you really want to rem- like you're just feeling yourself removing yourself from the show reevaluate see what what needs to be changed um you know how can you sometimes we just get so stuck on like this is what it has to look like like I have to do guest interviews I have to release every single week I have to do this it's like it, when you have a show for for a long time it has to change and move with you or or you're going to, you know, you're going to maybe just feel a little lackluster. So continue to just reevaluate and allow yourself to change it um, for your own needs and the needs of your audience. And then on the other side of that question, uh, what do you feel are the key ingredients that make for a successful podcast? Mm, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about, a show that's really serving the audience and not necessarily the host is really great. The cool thing though is that there are so many podcasts. Like there are ones that, like I said, are really connected to a business and so they're solving problems. They're they're pointing people to products. But then there's also like your more lifestyle shows where it's just a really fun person to listen to or a couple of people to listen to. Or it's like a a show recap show like the the office ladies if you're familiar they recap the office uh that show and so there's just so many different types of podcasts that really i one of the things that i see that they're doing well they're all doing well is they're excited about the topic and they're delivering it really well so if you have a creative idea that you're like i don't i don't see this very often but you got you just have a good hunch that it's going to that people will be people will like it there there's just there's some rules that are are easily broken in podcasting yeah there's a lot of freedom in podcasting i mean you could literally start a podcast around anything and there will probably be an audience out there for it so it'll be exciting to see where podcasting goes from here and so as podcasts continue to evolve what are some of the trends you see coming up And how do you stay ahead of the curve? Mm, Yeah, yeah. Two big trends that I see in 2023 are monetization. It's becoming way easier for people, which I love because creators deserve to get paid. And it's not necessarily the, you know, payment coming from the listener, which is cool. Like you mentioned Patreon. We've seen Apple subscriptions come out, which is kind of rivaling Patreon. So I think monetization is becoming easier for every type of podcaster, which is such great news. And then the other trend that I'm seeing a lot is YouTube, the crossover of, of video podcasts. And um, it really, it's really exciting. I think just, you know, we, we like to watch people talk. We like to see what they look like and, you know, with, that matches their voice. I don't think that all shows are going to become video podcasts because one of the things that people love about listening to shows is that they can do it and multitask. And when you've got a video to watch, even if you even if you know you can listen without watching, you just feel like you have to watch too. So with a podcast, it's like you don't have the option to watch if you're using, you know, you're if you're listening to the audio version. And also for the podcaster, they don't have to be camera ready or, or that type of thing. So I think video podcasting is definitely taking off, but it's not going to be the only way to podcast. Right. And I feel like with video podcasts, you almost feel like if you're just listening to it, that you're missing out on half the podcast experience, especially if the show incorporates a lot of visual elements that listeners can't see. Mm, Totally. So what's your favorite part about podcasting and, and why do you think more freelancers should start one? 
Yeah, great question. My favorite thing about podcasting, gosh. I mean, so I'll tell you this story. One, I had I had two jobs as a high schooler. One of them was working at an ice cream parlor and the other one was working at a bagel shop. And although I liked working at the bagel shop more, I really, the ice cream shop you could not beat because when people showed up to the ice cream shop, they were getting ice cream and it was Friday night and they were in a really good mood. When people were showing up to get their bagel, it was, it was Saturday morning and they were grumpy <laughs> and they're not happy to be there. They were happy they're getting a bagel, but they were just very grumpy. They needed their coffee stat. So that's what I see in podcasting is that it's just a really fun place to be. It's a really fun industry. People that work in podcasting are like, I can't believe I get to do this. Right. This feels so cool. Uh, and so it's like working at an ice cream shop. So I think that's really my favorite thing is just being part of that fun energy. And if people kind of are just like, pinch me, is this real? Uh, that's my favorite thing. And then you said, what, why would, why should a freelancer start a podcast? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I feel like if you're listening, if you like podcasts, you probably don't need to be convinced that you need to start one. You probably already do want to start one. That's what I find when talking to people about podcasts is that they're like, I've always wanted to do this. Just give me like a tiny bit of permission, right? So I would say if you, you know, if you're excited about it, if you feel like it really is a message that you have that needs to be heard, tap into who those people are that need to hear it and go for it. I think, you know, you really have nothing to lose, especially if you are open to pivot and to to change it as you learn more about your audience and about podcasting. And then to wrap up this discussion, do you have any final advice for anyone who maybe already started their podcast, but they're struggling to grow that audience? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it, you know, it's so natural to kind of be really excited in the beginning, and then maybe you're not getting a lot of audience feedback, or you've heard that maybe you'd only have 100 listeners, or maybe you have 30 downloads, right? And you're like, wow, I've got 5,000 followers on Instagram. Why do I only have 30 listens? That's that type of kind of realization that like hit in the face <laughs> is can be pretty common in that, you know, you're really just starting out and bringing someone over from a social media platform to the podcasting platform. It's the people that are listening to you talk and in their, you know, in their ears, those are like really the, your hardcore followers. So it's not going to be everyone that's following you. You know, to follow someone on Instagram or TikTok, you have to be mildly interested in, in them, right? So really going over to their podcast means, hey, I'm I'm really giving you my time and I really want to hear from you. So instead of viewing that those low numbers or like the lower engagement as a defeat, you say, hey, these are my people, these are, even if it's 30 of them right now, these are 100% my people and serve those people like they're 3,000. And, and you'll see as you morph the show and you gain some speed, um, just be committed to it long term, I guess is, is my thought. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on the Indie Podcast and sharing your story. Uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about managing a podcast? Yeah, so I'm most uh, active on Instagram, so you can find me at Lauren Wrighton, and then my website is also laurenwrighton.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode, and if you're listening and you're looking for an easier way to manage your freelance business, 
You can sign up to Indie to get the productivity tools, the resources, and the tips to grow your freelance business. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.